Hello, I'm Harry. Hello, I'm Rory, and you're listening to Games on Film. Welcome back to Games on Film, the podcast that celebrates video game movies. And in a change to our scheduled programming, we are not doing Mortal Kombat Annihilation, but we're doing Mortal Kombat an animation. <laughs> uh, a number of animations, but our main focus is the 2020 film, a modern film, the 2020 film Mortal Kombat Legends Scorpion's Revenge. Yes, we realised and remembered that there was actually a Mortal Kombat movie this year. We were looking far ahead into 2021 with the new live-action Mortal Kombat that should be arriving, hopefully, as scheduled in January, though it may be pushed around the schedules due to um, the continuing situation. I think it'll be fine because half the cast of Mortal Kombat wear masks, so everything should be gravy. I think Mortal Kombat as a franchise is fairly COVID-secure. But uh, we realised that uh, there was a Mortal Kombat film this year and thought, well, we'd better talk about it now. (laughs) A victory for the marketing team of that Mortal Kombat movie, how we completely forgot about it (laughs) until um, until we're sort of getting ready to record our Mortal Kombat Annihilation review. But what makes this difference to the Mortal Kombat movie that we're looking forward to next year is that, uh, yes, it is an animation. It is a digital download straight to Blu-ray DVD release from Warner Brothers Animation. And it sort of fits in line with the other Warner Brothers Animation offerings that they do, which are usually the things like comic spin-offs, because Warner Brothers, I guess, has relationship with DC. So usually it's um, Justice League or Batman or Superman adaptations animations yeah i went to sainsbury's not a very big sainsbury's either and in their dvd top 10 like two or three of them are like dc animations i think there's like a dead shot one right now and mm-hmm. i i think well my whole opinion on this film and perhaps what we're going to talk about today is that I, perhaps if i was like 15 i would think it's the coolest most grown-up badass thing ever <laughs> but as a 37 year old man i'm watching a lot of this animation thinking this is kind of really basic animation and you don't need to swear so much honestly (laughs) i'm such a miserable old man that i am i think it feels more like an extension of a brand and a piece of merchandise than necessarily like a whole movie in of its own right like as well as these comic book adaptations you also get a lot of lego dc Batman, the animation movie kind of thing. So it's, you know, a big branding exercise. And you could say that about, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe as a whole or Disney or or whatever. So, you know, it's not like people are necessarily creating these products purely out of artistic reasons, of course. I think this this is all born out of the Batman the Animated series, isn't it? Where 
in the early nineties. Mm. I think it was definitely created. It feels like people thought this would be the perfect medium to tell Batman stories in. I know it kind of came off the success of those Tim Burton films and you know, Batman was never more popular than he was in the early nineties. Uh, as time has gone on, despite the presence of bat voices like Kevin Conroy, who seems to do a lot of the modern Batman animation still, they've kind of done an attempt to have the maturity of the content increase with the age of the the watchers because they're all, all kind of seems like a lot of Batman films are now Batman fans are now in their late thirties, early forties, and apparently they just want tits and f bombs and <laughs> lots of violence. I mean, I hold my hands up. I've really fantastically enjoyed uh, the Harley Quinn animated series which has come out. I'd really mm-hmm. recommend that. It's really funny and really well observed. Even so, I'm still watching it thinking it's actually funny if you don't swear. I think my biggest belly laughs now is when a sweary character says something like, oh, fiddle, <laughs> <laughs> or something along those lines. It does sort of seem like, oh, by the way, in this animation, Batman says fuck. <laughs> it's like, that's the marketing tool. But we say all this about the DC universe, the super friends, <laughs> as it were. I mean, I got, I got into a Twitter argument, I think, yesterday, where someone was talking about how Zack Snyder is getting to film scenes that were cut from the Snyder Cut of Justice League. A Twitter argument about Zack Snyder? I know, but somebody was saying they're going to be inserting these scenes, which are too scary. And I had to respond and say, it, it boggles my mind that someone made a Super Friends movie with scenes too scary for kids. It just is insane. But we say all this, but... Mortal Kombat as a franchise is built on excessive violence. Maybe less swearing. I don't remember Scorpion saying, get the fuck over here, which would be kind (laughs) of hilarious. Um, But, you know, this, crucially, is the first bit of Mortal Kombat media which is R-rated. I mean, the films were 15. Definitely the first film was a 15 in the UK because British people are pussies. But in America... I think Mortal Kombat 1 was uh, was PG-13, wasn't it? Any gore is very much removed from the Mortal Kombat movie. So in this animation, and spoilers for Mortal Kombat Legends, like within the first couple of minutes, uh, Ninja's sort of brain gets exposed. And I was like, oh yeah, I forgot. Mortal Kombat is supposed to be grisly. I completely forgot. I was meant to watch violence. It does seem like in terms of reaction generally to this uh, animated offering that the Mortal Kombat fans are like finally the violence has returned to Mortal Kombat and you know it's sating their bloodlust uh, in that respect but I suppose animation does give Mortal Kombat an outlet which probably doesn't need to adhere to so many um, taste and decency codes I suppose if it was for live action it's a step removed, I think's the thing. I was having a conversation with my uh, missus about violence in cinema because she she likes really gory uh, anime, um, but she doesn't like horror movies with gore. And I think it is just you could show exactly the same content. You could do a lovely bit of Disney rotoscoping on someone's head being ripped off, <laughs> and she she would be fine watching the animated version. But I think I'm just waiting with bated breath. to see what this live action Mortal Kombat is going to be like because the guy responsible for the upcoming film has been promising it's going to be hard R, lots of blood and violence and 
it's just going to be interesting. There's just people who won't go and see something full of blood and gore because they're well-adjusted people. <laughs> <laughs> of course, this isn't the first time Mortal Kombat has hit animation. In fact, back when the first live-action film came out, I think it was supported by a couple of Mortal kombat entries. Uh, there was the direct-to-video film question mark called mortal kombat the journey begins and i think i remember seeing adverts for this on the vhs cassette i had for the mortal kombat movie and then there was like a 13 episode season of mortal kombat defenders of the realm which was your standard half hour 20 minute cartoon show for kids uh, both of which were decidedly pg and we've we've ended up watching quite a lot of this, haven't we? Uh, we've both watched The Journey Begins. Shall we tackle that first? Prepare yourself for the most revolutionary animation ever in the world premiere of Mortal Kombat, the animated video. Forget virtual reality. You're there in this awesome PG-rated direct-to-video animated adventure of a lifetime. Get next to the coolest and hottest characters anywhere. Buy the video and you'll also get the making of Mortal Kombat, the live-action movie, plus secret combat codes and a free watch offer. Mortal Kombat, the animated video. Only 1498 rated PG. Yeah, also known as the animated video, it's effectively, again, a piece of promotional marketing material that serves as a tie-in and semi-prequel-ish animation providing backstory for the characters that make it into the film, as well as including a 15-minute behind-the-scenes documentary about the actual live-action film. So it's kind of like a strange promotional tool that you still had to buy <laughs> well the thing is the reason why i say a film question mark is that the title the journey begins i didn't think it literally meant we are only showing you that like, the first act of a movie it is it is very much it is slightly longer than the first act you'd get in any sort of movie and it's effectively Johnny Cage, Liu Kang, Sonya Blade are three Earthrealm characters who we seem to be perpetually stuck with throughout the Mortal Kombat franchise. They are travelling to the island and where the, where the tournament's going to take place. And whereas in the live-action movie, this is about a five-minute sequence to get from point A to point B, in this journey begins, it's, lar it's, the, it's the largest part of the film where... Raiden is just describing the history of the tournament and most of these flashbacks happen to be I guess the selling point of the video which is groundbreaking CGI fights for I don't know they look basically like a tin toy from uh, Pixar in, in the how basic <laughs> the animation is because it's it is sort of like early to mid 90s CG but very much done on a budget and Going back to what I was saying a moment ago, I think if I was like 12, I, I think I was actually really young when this came out. So I I just think if, it, if I owned this video, I would have watched it every day and I would have sworn this was the most amazing CGI fights I'd ever seen. But watching it now, it was really embarrassing. And I imagine like 
it would have been amazing in your memory still. And you would mm. be like, no, 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 no. It was, it was like really impressive at the time. And then just like not watched it for 25 years and then finally go back to it and be like, who boy? Because yeah. it's, I'd say it's endearing in terms of just how ropey and blocky it is. And, you know, actually some of the motion, because I think it's motion captured as well, is uh-huh. fairly fluid. So I was impressed by yes. that. But when you have like the first fight flashback, because basically these CG flashbacks are giving backstory about specific characters. So you see Shang Tsung, you see Kong Lao, you see Goro, and particularly the rivalry between Scorpion and Sub-Zero, which is more explicit here and more explicit in all the other offerings, apart from the uh, Paul W.S. Anderson movie where it's sort of mentioned by Shang Tsung that they are sworn enemies but powerless and under my control. But you get all these little moments and when you see that first fight with Shang Tsung and some random generic bald monk guy and his like eyes like clearly not necessarily fit to his head and bulging <laughs> out and... Uh, his outfit, like, tearing through his legs in terms of... It's more convincing than the bare shoulders of Shang Tsung, where his 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 arms pop out maybe five inches below where his shoulders are. It's uh, <laughs> It looks like a man made out of, I don't know, stickle bricks or something. It's fairly poor. Fairly poor. I will say the best fight in it is when Goro is fighting against his brother. So... I think I, we've never, I've never seen this in any Mortal Kombat media where you've got two Goros fight. I can't remember what they call their species. I think Shokan. He's the prince of Shokan, but I don't think the... I don't know if the creatures are called Shokanese or something. It was still kind of, hey, i never seen two beings with four arms fighting each other. There are some interesting different moves, but that was that was like the, the one kind of highlight. The 2D animation which bookends all the CG, is really abominable, like barely animated. It's very, when they're doing any fighting with this 2D animation, it's all so blurry because they put everything in slow-mo, so you can't see what's happening at all. And then, I mean, it doesn't matter because you'd just be missing out on these repeated animation loops Mm. over and over and over. So it's not missing much, but it's just like incomprehensible. Like I said, I had no idea this wasn't going to be a complete film. It was getting towards like the 50th minute and I was thinking, wow, this is like Raiden's giving a lot of exposition. When is when are they going to actually fight in the tournament? And there's there's no tournament fighting. It ends just as the tournament's about to begin. And it says, you know, go and see Mortal Kombat, the main film for the for, for prepare the... yourselves for Mortal Kombat, the movie. Yeah. And um, so that's so the big set piece is all these barakas. Are they called barakas? I think they're called nomads in this and they're called nomads in Defenders of the Realm, but they've got another title win the game. So So it's the guys who have blades coming out of their wrists and it's just the same animation loop, as you say, of them sort of squat running towards the camera. You (laughs) see that about 50 times and there's an occasionally awkwardly animated spinning bird kick, which is another franchise and... So and you do Kang doing his bicycle kick and, and then everything is over and then if you keep watching the credits you see some combat codes to use in I think Mortal Kombat 3 so again I think as a kid I would have been like I've learnt the secret of Mortal Kombat I know 
how tall Scorpion is because they do character bios as well. It's like, ooh. So it says at the start of the video, hidden clues to Mortal Kombat 3 await you. And so these like symbols flash up in the credits and then appear at the very end. But according to the Mortal Kombat fandom wiki, that code doesn't work. Oh, bloody hell. At least in the kind of home versions or at least in like existing versions of the game because it has like one symbol which doesn't match any of the other symbols. <laughs> so, you know. The dark magic of Shang Tsung is messing with you. <laughs> I think the problem is that it doesn't really justify its existence because it's all this, you know, wall-to-wall exposition of Raiden leading our heroes just walking through CG island backdrop after backdrop and just giving all this backstory. But I think the film does a fairly good job of giving that exposition in a way that doesn't feel so Christopher Lambert talking verbatim everything that's happening and is about to happen. He's telling us a story. He's telling us a story. Yeah. Yeah. And in here, he's just like regurgitating just wall-to-wall exposition. And the script for this video was done by Kevin Droney, who wrote the movie and also wrote the Wing Commander movie. Oh, right. I, you know, I think when we talked about it on the Mortal Kombat movie episode, they apparently beefed up his script a lot and added a lot more humour and he wasn't particularly happy about that. So... I think this kind of demonstrates just how dry the material would have been if um, Anderson and the cast hadn't done something with it. But I guess it's notable in terms of a few of the voice actors. For instance, Shane Sonia is played by Jim Cummings, who is very storied voice actor, probably best known for playing Winnie the Pooh and Tigger. <laughs> he also plays Dr. Robotnik in a couple of the Sonic animations too. Your mind automatically turns to having Winnie the, Winnie the Pooh in Mortal Kombat, like the sort of fatalities you'd use of his pot of funny. Like you'd dr- <laughs> drown Tigger in it, and maybe Tigger would bounce onto your heart until it explodes. I'm going to sting you with a thousand bees. <laughs> and Johnny Cage is voiced by Jeff Bennett, who is notable for providing the voice of Johnny Bravo. Maybe that's... I don't know which came first. I think Johnny Bravo came after, didn't it? So when he when he saw the casting call for Johnny Bravo, he was like, I've got this. I can <laughs> do this. I've got the sunglasses. You realize this is animation? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then we watched uh, Mortal Kombat Defenders of the Realm. I think this is a big question we got asked ourselves about how you tell a, a Mortal Kombat story. And I think we'll get into this a bit more a bit later on. But Mortal Kombat is a tournament, so anytime you try and stand, step outside it being a tournament, you wonder why are you sending martial artists into like a war zone or something? Because <laughs> it start the the episode I watched, it was robots entering into the Earth realm through portals and everyone shooting lasers out of their fists. I'm talking about the humans here. (laughs) Uh, The humans are shooting lasers out of their fists and then like a bare-chested Liu Kang runs into flipping no man's land and karate kicks. And, you know, I've just seen so many of these kind of animations before. They have to be robots so no one actually gets hurt. You're all right. I was afraid fear is a far greater adversary than the one we are about to face. 22 cybers have entered so far. Dimensional portal is still open, so more could be on the way. Not on my watch. We have to keep the cybernetic units from reaching the city. Duh! No kidding, Striker. Up until now, we've kept civilians from learning about these outworld invasions. 
straighten up, soldier. Hey, I'm not your soldier. Well, if those cyber cretins make it past us, everyone's ground meat. We need a strategic plan of attack. I got one! Combat time! <laughs> I must be a masochist to keep hanging with that girl. I can't believe Blade's going again. So what's new? Let's do it! It's one of those things where it's like clearly just the 90s animation template reskinned with Mortal Kombat characters. And I think one of the most notable kind of like, huh, what's this doing in Mortal Kombat is when they just like leap into their dragon shaped fighter jets. There's a bit where Raiden says, then kick your jets and jam. Christ, I didn't get that far. <laughs> I say like, I watched two, the first two episodes and I'd say like half the action takes place in fighter planes oh. and the jets turn into subs. Uh, in the second episode, uh, Scorpion appears and he's got scorpion shaped jets controlled by skeletons. OK, I think I need to watch more of this show now. <laughs> <laughs> I just like, how do you fund this sort of thing? The first character you meet is Night Wolf who's been relegated to like the com- the generic command center in a mountain. And all he's mm-hmm. doing is sort of like doing commentary on what the heroes are doing already. And I was like, this isn't Mortal Kombat. <laughs> I just sort of think, though, that like it must have been like that famous Kevin Smith story about Superman needing like a giant spider villain in the end of and it shows up in Wild Wild West. I sort of feel like with this, the people who produced the show was like, well, it's not to have fighter jets. We've discovered that kids age 8 to 12 love fighter jets, so they all got to get into these fighter jets at every opportunity, and then we can merchandise and make fighter jet toys, which, you know, cost more money than the regular action figures, and then kids want to have, like, night wolf tech center hub and all this kind of stuff. I mean, it only lasted 13 episodes, so maybe these plans didn't come to fruition. I mean, you say all this, but in the latest trailer for No Time to Die, James Bond is in a jet which turns into a submarine. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and all the kid, and I was like, oh my God, that's the coolest thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> so I just like to think the writer of that film watched Mortal Kombat's Defenders of the Realm and was like, one day. But the thing is, is that it does act as a sequel to the first film. Like... There is a point where Liu Kang has this flashback to him defeating Sub-Zero and Katana saying, to win, use the component which brings life. Mm -hmm. And it does the same sort of thing with the water. And I guess the sort of events are sort of similar to Mortal Kombat 3 and Annihilation and and all that sort of stuff. It's set in the kind of merging of Outworld and Earthrealm. So it does have some connection to the game and there's drama there's tension okay i hold my hands up i watched the first 10 minutes i didn't get to all the cool stuff apparently Uh, there's everyone complains about a lack of violence but no one ever complains about lack of fighter jets (laughs) (laughs) and dinosaurs showing up in the second episode and i still can't get over the idea of scorpion having did you say robots controlled by skeletons no 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 scorpion shaped fighter jets (laughs) The pilots are skeletons. Like, does he train the skeletons to fly to fly the jets? And... I think he's he's his thing is that he's raised an army of the dead. Uh, they have to fight some Tibetan mummies, you know, 
the usual stuff. Are these skeletons who died before fighter jets were invented, and therefore they have to be educated on the whole idea of fighter jets? And I think so because they're, who's they're funding all wearing, the jets? Who's they're building all wearing um, like armor that sort of suggests they are sort of from Outworld. Mm. Um, maybe they've got like fighter jet technology in Outworld too. Again, I'm just down a rabbit hole now. Why would a skeleton wear armor? I, I guess to stop its bones from breaking, or is it modesty? Yeah. Bones are fragile. When you haven't got any flesh, I think you wear more armor. I suppose. I guess these portals opening um, in Defenders of the Realm are also like plot holes and, and logic <laughs> logic holes. I don't know. Defenders of the Realm is also notable for being one of the only Mortal Kombat if not the only Mortal Kombat uh, iteration to have official crossover with Street Fighter. Wow. I think I might have mentioned it in a past episode, but in this animation block, the same production company was also making the Street Fighter animated series, as well as the Wing Commander Academy animated series. And there is a character who appears first in that Street Fighter animated series called the Warrior King, who's like a sort of time-travelling He-Man Conan-style thing that goes into a different multiverse portal. Okay. And there's an end of one of the episodes of the Mortal Kombat animated series where this Warrior King character from the Street Fighter animated series appears in a silhouette and runs into some other portal, and then he ends up in the Wing Commander Academy series. It's not like a direct crossover with Street Fighter and Wing Commander, but just a character who appears throughout like some sort of, um, you know, linking multiverse strand. As you've been as you've been saying that, I've been really wondering what my response is going to be to all this, because <laughs> my initial thought was, wow, like a big wow, because I expected sort of E-Honda to rock up in the middle of Mortal Kombat and have a conversation with yep. you know, Johnny Cage. And then you said, oh, it's just this sort of secondary character. So I went to like a wow, but with a lowercase w at the front. <laughs> and then you told me he kind of just runs in the background of a scene, like in in a very far distance. And I want to just, it's just it's like a wow with a full stop, perhaps now. Yeah, maybe just like a, huh. Hmm. <laughs> And just to wrap up on Defenders of the Realm, it also was the first appearance of Quan Chi. He made his first oh. appearance in Defenders of the Realm before he appeared in any of the games. Really? Uh, which, okay. Yeah, first game he appeared in was Mortal Kombat Mythology Sub-Zero, which was that side-scrolling N64 beat-em-up game, um, before making his full-fledged appearance in Mortal Kombat 4 as a fighting character. Wow. Notable cast for Defenders of the Realm include Sub-Zero, played by Luke Perry, Striker, played by Ron Perlman, soon to be in wow. Monster Hunter and formerly of In the Name of a King, a Dungeon Siege tale on the podcast, and Raiden, portrayed by Clancy Brown. So you have two stars of Highlander having both portrayed Raiden. How about that? That is absolutely the best fact I've learned today. <laughs> and um, I can't wait to tell my wife. Like, did you know two characters, two stars from Highlander have been in two separate Mortal Kombat franchise iterations? And she'd be like, yeah, I know everything. <laughs> we just need to get Sean Connery out of retirement to portray Raiden and then we uh, have a hat trick. Literally because Raiden wears a hat. You know, <laughs> very much so. <laughs> so having discussed 
Mortal Kombat animations in the past. We are now bang into the present. Shall we have a look at the synopsis for Mortal Kombat Legends Scorpion's Revenge? Sure. I have a synopsis from the Warner Brothers website. After the vicious slaughter of his family by stone-cold mercenary Sub-Zero, Hanzo Hasashi is exiled to the torturous Neverrealm. Why did they say stone-cold and not ice-cold? <laughs> I guess stone-cold Sub-Zero is sort of alliteration, maybe? But then they added mercenary in the middle? That's overkill. Is he a mercenary? He's, He's a ninja. <sighs> And plot spoilers, he's not even Sub-Zero, but... <laughs> spoilers for Scorpion's Revenge. Better. Cat, continue. There, in exchange for his servitude to the sinister Quan Chi, he's given a chance to avenge his family and is resurrected as Scorpion, a lost soul bent on revenge. Back on Earthrealm, Lord Raiden gathers a team of elite warriors, Shaolin monk Liu Kang, Special Forces Officer Sonya Blade, and action star Johnny Cage an unlikely band of heroes with one chance to save humanity. To do this, they must defeat Shang Tsung's horde of outworld gladiators and reign over the Mortal Kombat tournament. Prepare to witness the bone-crushing action in this all-new Mortal Kombat Legends animated feature. It's funny how they said unlikely Earth warriors when it's the same freaking threesome that we've seen over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> Enough! You die for this, you first. Once a generation, there is a tournament. Why would I fight for you? Because he will be in attendance. I can send you there, Hanzo. Hanzo is dead. Call me Scorpion. Let Mortal Kombat begin! I will win this tournament. You're gonna keep crying like a bitch or fight like a man? Eat me, Buttercup. You are the only hope left for Earthrealm. If Emperor Shao Kahn wins the 10th Mortal Kombat tournament, then you all die. Get over here! This thing better not go straight to video. On digital and Blu-ray. So, okay, to put my cards on the table, I think this film really suffers when it's not about Scorpion. Because the film is called Scorpion's Revenge. Inexplicably, it's called Mortal Kombat Legends. I, I'm assuming that's because they want to do lots of Mortal Kombat Legends. But since this has so many characters in it, like, what are you going to do? Just... Just retell the same thing, but from Sub-Zero's perspective? Yeah, like... When I saw the trailer for this, um, I was very much like, I was like kind of, oh, finally, let's see Scorpion's story. Because I remember from the very first Mortal Kombat game with like the instruction booklets, the thing you kind of remember is the animosity between Scorpion and Sub-Zero. And I was always kind of darkly fascinated by the fact that this 
guy without even eyes, this sort of menace, this scary ghost thing, he had a legitimate beef with Sub-Zero. And so I thought, this is like fresh ground, really. And as you say, it's not really been covered by the live-action movie. It was kind of given lip service. I mean, I love the Mm. look of Scorpion and Sub-Zero in the live-action movie, but I think the film, that film, wisely didn't want to have too much going on and 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 so sidelined their story so when this film starts with the massacre of scorpion's uh, tribe i thought it started really strongly but the human stuff is across the board just pales in comparison to uh the live action movie and while it seems unfair to compare it to the live action movie they sort of made the choice of making it so nakedly a, a sort of remake of it. So there's there's very little, little difference plot-wise on their end. It does seem to feel like, and I think it doesn't help that I watch The Journey Begins and this so close together, but it's just like, how many times do we need to see this trio of characters do the same thing on the same frickin' boat? <laughs> I'm reminded of the Soul Calibur phrase, a tale of souls and swords eternally retold. And mm. it, it just kind of seems like, you know, when the new Mortal Kombat movie comes out, is it going to be the same thing? It's like just seeing Bruce Wayne's parents get like killed over and over again to talk about Batman. I love the way the Paul Anderson movie gathers those characters together on that boat, but I don't need to see it done so many times over and over and in just less interesting fashion each time. And I know the characterization of these three is fairly beholden to their characterization in the game. But I just yet again we have Johnny Cage going on this on this uh, sort of mission. And I think that there's a slight difference here. He feel he's skint basically in the live action film johnny cage wants legitimacy in this one he goes to mortal Kombat, kind of expecting it to be a job and yeah so for most of the film he thinks he's in a sort of bow finger situation where he thinks everything is fake and to to varying degrees of success i enjoyed that sometimes i really thought this man is brain damaged because <laughs> he sees somebody's arms get ripped off and he's like, oh God, that's so fake. But then he's also been talking to a god with light up eyes, aka Raiden. And we're talking about how in violence we are a step removed when we come to animation. But in animation, you also seem to be a step removed, removed from any sort of human logic. Because if you saw, if a live action film happened, say in Mortal Kombat, Raiden appears on the boat, aka played by Christopher Lambert in the live action movie. But he had like electric eyes the entire time, and Johnny Cage goes up and starts talking about craft services and things. You're just like, are you are you okay in the head, Johnny Cage? Are you alright? Yeah, he does sort of think this is all some sort of improv exercise, but it must be the most like elaborate improv exercise, because this is, yeah electrical gods and like strange centaurs and this wacky buffet of all these kind of strange bits and pieces does he know 
how a film works. There are cameras. And yes, you mentioned the centaur. There would be like 20 people coming off the back of the centaur to make the animatronics work. <laughs> it's just, it, it's just, it just breaks the logic. It's like we, I talk about the Simpsons a lot on this podcast. And I think because that, that walks the line of, of sort of flexible reality and comedy works when you bring something uh, crazy to a real situation and it sort of doesn't work when Johnny Cage is in a very unreal situation and is still commenting on how unreal it was it's just insane it it takes so long for the penny to like drop mm. it's only after he has this big fight where he's fighting one of those Baraka creatures and you know this whole temple like falls about in front of him and he's like i'm not tom cruise you know i leave that stunt shit to the you know experts and things that it all starts to sort of like finally dawn on him if not even then i would have really loved to have seen him getting stabbed by baraka at that point just to see the look on his face it would have been really heartbreaking but hilarious at the same time i think the best reading of that whole like rather dopey subplot is just the only bit of humor I think Raiden imparts in the whole movie where he just re- mentions to Liu Kang, his journey is one of discovery. Besides, I find it amusing. And that's like it. Like, I'm, I'm glad Raiden finds it amusing. I'm not sure how much I do. <laughs> I have to admit, um, I was really missing sort of the sly humor of christopher lambert's raiden in all these animated versions he's just seems really po-faced raiden but i don't i don't know if this happens in the other versions of mortal kombat but there's a number of scenes where raiden is with uh shang sung and quan chi the quan chi and shang sung are all like oh your humans don't stand a chance and raiden's like you underestimate them they will win and in the back of my mind i'm thinking raiden dude they failed nine times already. <laughs> like you talk a good talk, Raiden, but what did you do the last nine times? Because <laughs> because the Earth Realm has been fighting for nine tournaments and failed every time. And so as every time, you've either been like brazenly optimistic, like you've been now, and said, "Oh, they will definitely win," and then he sort of shuts up where they die, or he's been really like in agreement with Shang Tsung when he said they're going to die he's like i've got these three i've got these three human fighters like hulk hogan i've got the guy from karate kid i was thinking of that cop show what martial law with samu hung i've got samu hung the guy ralph is it macchiato macchio macchiato (laughs) ralph macchiato and i've got uh hulk hogan they're my fighters and shang song's like they're they're totally gonna die and raiden's like yeah, I know. <laughs> it's just, again, frequently I was just struggling to understand just the character's internal logic in this. And I'm not going to say that, especially an animation like this, has to have a logic to it. But, you know, Quan Chi is revealed to be the main villain of the piece. And he basically wants to get this key which will unlock the prison of his master, the elder god, Shinnok. Mm-hmm. So he, in to, to cut a long story short, he, he transforms into Sub-Zero 
in order to convince the Lin Kuei to attack Scorpion's tribe. And that, and blah de blah blah But if he's revealed to have this transformation power, why can't he transform into fucking Shang Tsung himself and go into where he keeps the key? And, you know, you don't need <laughs> to secretly involve the revengeful demon of a dead ninja to steal a key. It's just... I don't get what's going on. <laughs> and again, it boils down to what I was saying earlier about how you can tell a Mortal Kombat story. This this film seems just completely obsessed of having the tournament, talking about the tournament the entire time. And in the live action film, it's it, it does have this tournament element. You do get a sense that there are multiple Earthrealm fighters uh, fighting for just to protect the realm but here mm. we have multiple realms fighting at the same time you keep calling it a tournament shang Tsung, but i think each individual fighter gets one or two fights <laughs> they get one fight and then they fight goro that seems to be the tournament ladder and it's like you just get it sort of like interrupted when they bring a like army of black dragon cyber soldiers or whatever to like disrupt everything that's happening it's just like there's not even enough happening for you to then bring these new elements into the plot you know focus on the tournament and let it happen rather than having like super army soldiers mm. sort of show up and uh, this lair underground which has even more outworld fighter demons to to battle with it's just like you know do the tournament or don't do the tournament yes just you know, I think the film would have been stronger if it was just a full remake and didn't do the Scorpion Revenge thing or went deep dive into Scorpion's Revenge. It'd be so interesting to have Scorpion come back from Neverrealm, aka Hell, but there's this convoluted plot where he has to infiltrate a tournament. I mean, he's he's not infiltrating. He's me he's meant to be the Neverrealm's fighter in this multi-realm fight, but then. Oh, I just don't know. It's just too silly. And like I said, just threaded throughout are all these sort of Diet Coke versions of bits you remember from the live action film. Like they all arrive at the island and Goro is introduced to show people, hey, this is some serious shit. That felt just like the film, except in the live action film, it was Sub-Zero showing you it's serious shit. Like Jax, um, who is... Sonia Blade's commanding officer he's brought in and I said I mm, I know what's going to happen his arm's going to be ripped off because his his computer game character has metal arms and that's about <laughs> all it does and you were saying earlier about this live action film coming out in, in January and, and I agree I'm just like I wrote in my notes I am going to be so bored if in the new film Goro appears to show everyone oh my god it's they're monsters we have to fight too. And then he brutally kills one of our heroes' friends. I've seen it all before. And this one at least is, is just like badly animated and it goes on for far too long. I mean, the um, it's funny. The, the entire time Jax is fighting Goro, we are intercutting between Jax fighting Goro and Raiden giving a pep talk to Scorpion, who has found himself in this lair with the magic key. Well, no, and uh, and Raiden does his pep talk, and then Raiden then appears like five minutes after Jax's arms are ripped off to say, "Hey, this is breaking all the rules." And if I was Jax, I'd have been like, 
dude, could you have like got here five minutes earlier before my arms were ripped off? And Raiden would have said, well, I was giving a pep talk to a dead man about his future. It's like, fuck off. <laughs> or were you waiting until my legs were going to get ripped off too? This is, again, dearie me. It presents itself as being this kind of adult animation for mature audiences, but... The plotting is like the same kind of dopey plotting as a Saturday morning cartoon. And the quips and the dialogue, if you remove the swears, are just as kind of lame. Like the kind of back chatting between mm. the characters and the sort of vocal sparring. It all feels very sort of first draft. There's a bit towards the end where Quan Chi's grand plan is to poison Shang Tsung's goblet of drink. And the whole... We shall toast the celebration uh, before it happens. Quan Chi, go fetch me some wine. And Quan Chi's like, okay then. And then he sort of tips over and gets his little vial of green goo and pours it into Shang Tsung's cup. And Shang Tsung obviously spots this and traps Quan Chi in a big fiery bubble or whatever. It's like, that's the sort of thing that happens in kids' cartoons the whole time. Mm. I, I... What's it doing here? <laughs> did, did Quan Chi think this through? So his his choices were openly murder Shang Tsung with a knife or poison him. And then everyone was like, how could he have possibly died? <laughs> it was either Raiden or Quan Chi who poisoned Shang Tsung. And I don't know, Raiden seems more like a lightning kind of guy. No, it's likely that this a thousand-year-old sorcerer would die of natural causes right yeah. at the apex of this tournament. He was pretty old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the dialogue we've, we've got... Again, we're introduced to our three human heroes. And like I said, there's no reason for it to always be Liu Kang, Johnny Cage and Sonya. It would be so much more interesting if, hey, why don't we make Kano the mercenary the main character it's not like we always have to have our main character in a Mortal Kombat movie be a, a bastion of good behavior it's you know, why would a mercenary or the leader of a vicious gang find himself working for sort of wizards from outworld you know that's cool but no we've got Liu Kang and Liu Kang unlike the live action film he has no personal beef with Shang Tsung he just he's the big bad and needs to be defeated and that's kind of his story. He's so a blank slate. And mm. it's, it's just that funny thing how the fate of the world is not enough when you're watching a movie. There has to be personal stakes. So in the live action movie, Shang Tsung is the guy who murdered Liu Kang's brother. But here he's just a boring goody two shoes. There's a moment later in the film when Johnny Cage is lying on the ground and Sonya Blade full blow kicks Johnny Cage in the nuts. There's a lot yeah. of balls damage in this film. But what really cracked me up is either they couldn't be bothered to animate Liu Kang or, or, or maybe it was a choice. But Liu Kang just stands completely rigid, watches a man get completely shafted in the balls and then carries on the conversation like nothing happened. And... <laughs> just like it was like spock's reaction you know he's like if, if i saw i don't care what kind of an arsehole deserved it i don't care if it was the biggest me too denying trump supporting brexit voting piece of crap 
if he got kicked really violently in the balls right in front of me, I'd be like, I would have Anna reaction. I would, I would, I would be like, hey, dude, are you okay? Or Sonia, that's that's not cool, you know, like hitting a man when they're down. There's an expression, I think, along those lines. But I think you you, you have to you have to think about the context. He's in a tournament where people are having their limbs ripped off. Someone being kicked in the balls right next to him is like fairly small on the violence radar. Again, we're always talking about a tournament, but you'll never see Liu Kang fighting Sonya Blade and then Sonya rips off Liu Kang's head and Raiden is like, he was like our last hope. And Sonya's like, well, thanks a lot, sexist pig. Yeah, that's the thing. I kind of thought like, oh, this is an animation. So like anything goes. And I was like waiting for our characters to die or someone else to take charge. It's like, oh, we can actually see you know, Johnny Cage have his head caved in or whatever. But it's just like, no, we're just going to do the same thing like you thought would happen. Mm. But with Johnny Cage, we see him at the start and yeah, he's getting sort of dumped and he gets this call from his agent to take him to China. You see in the background some posters for films, including Ninja Mime, which is a running gag in the games. That he appeared in a film called Ninja Mime. And there's even like a Ninja Mime skin I think you can unlock in uh, one of the recent iterations. The tagline is, Cage is silent but deadly. Yeah. (laughs) Which is a fart joke. It is a fart joke. I know. Not like my farts. They're loud and proud. (laughs) There's also a poster called Ass Kick, which sounds just so lame. It's like, come on. You can do better. Imagine if an actual martial arts guy released a film called Ass Kick. I can imagine Steven Seagal doing that, but not ma- not many others. <laughs> <laughs> but Johnny Cage is maybe the biggest star in the film by voice actor. Because, mm. I mean, the, vo- the voice cast is a lot of very well-regarded, multi-credited voice actors, professional voice actors who've done video games, done animations, done TV cartoons, all sorts. So there's lots of notable names in, in that respect. But in terms of like banner headline names, uh, Johnny Cage is portrayed by Joel McHale, who is probably best known for community and various other sort of comedy shows and sitcoms. Pertinent to the podcast, he also makes a small appearance in Spider-Man 2, which we mentioned in a previous episode, as well as Spy Kids All the Time in the World, which we did not cover, but for our thoughts on the Spy Kids franchise, you'll have to listen to our Spy Kids 3D Game Over episode. Again, Johnny Cage, in this and in The Journey Begins, I believe he's being sick over the side of the boat. So yeah, why do we keep doing this? I really, I really hope... In the new Mortal Kombat film, Johnny Cage takes like some like an Alka Seltzer or something, and he has a very pleasant trip to Shang Tsung's <laughs> island between the realms. And we have portraying Sonya Blade, uh, Jennifer Carpenter, who's probably best known for her work on Dexter. She was also in The Exorcism of Emily Rose as the titular Emily Rose and the Wreck remake Quarantine. It's so weird because. There's a scene when Raiden is describing all the characters in the boat and he describes Sonia as being somebody who's always had to sort of rub up against people treating her like a little girl. But at no point 
has she been anything less than the total badass and i just don't get any shred of um of doubt or lack of confidence in her own ability so uh she has a little flashback where it jats and braids jats her her commanding officer says this is no place for a little girl Mm. and that forces her to train super extra hard it's such a flashback it's a crazy fast flashback but it's just so like uh cursory Mm. it just like you could have just had her introduced with her beating up that heavy in the shanghai back alley which you know she does um and it'd be like okay she's a badass Lord Raiden, these are the champions you gather? You doubt my choices? No, I just meant... You see only what is in front of you, Lo Kang. But your eyes deceive you. It is what is inside that matters. Sonya Blade, a most formidable warrior. She has had to prove herself against many who thought she was nothing more than a weak girl. Believe me, she is anything but. And him? He only seems to be concerned about himself and material wealth. That will keep him alive until he finds something more to care about. Something greater than himself to live for. Are you kidding me? I paid extra for international and I can't even get a signal. Uh, Raiden, are you getting one? It's so funny, like Sonia's introduction, like one of the first things she says was you got she's having this fight with a goon in the back alley. And she says, you're going to keep quiet like a bitch or fight like a man. And I'm like, oh, I feel really sorry for actresses having to say dialogue like that. I don't know. Mm. And then one of the people watching the fight has information on where Kano is going to be. Because, again, naturally, what is a Sonia Blade if she's not chasing a Kano? And she receives the information and says to her informant, if he's not there, there's nowhere on earth you'll be able to hide from me. And the informant looks really worried, but he should only look worried if he knows he's giving dodgy information. It's just like, <laughs> you know, Kano might have moved on oh God, yeah. since the information <laughs> happened. He calls ahead to Kano. D- dude, stay there for a bit. Why? Um, No reason. <laughs> Uh, all I can say is there's someone after you. Her name is Sonia B. No, wait a minute, that's too obvious. S. Blade. <laughs> a bit of a disappointment from from the art uh, from the start of the film proper, the actual actual start. Yeah, so let's move away from all the stuff we've seen told before in Mortal Kombat, and I guess focus on what you think is going to be the main thrust of the plot and the way the film begins uh, with Scorpion's Revenge. Although the film begins proper with the WB animation logo, we are presented with that lovable Looney Tune, Daffy Duck, and he is hooting and hollering and doing all his Daffy stuff before Scorpion emerges from behind the WB logo, shouts, Get over here! And pulls Daffy Duck into the Never Realm to live out a hellish existence for all eternity. <laughs> well, I mean, it is Daffy Duck. I'm pretty sure he's going to give Satan or whoever's running hell right now or Never Realm right now. He's just going to be more trouble than he's worth. I think he's going to return to Earth Realm pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, right in time for Space Jam 
the new legacy. Satan is going to be like opening his breakfast cereal. He looks in to find a prize and suddenly a duck's head shoots out and gives him a big wet kiss. <laughs> woo, 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 woo. For God's sake. <laughs> and, and so off he goes. But um, because I was not so au fait with the human names of these characters, I thought the start of this film was baby scorpion with his papa yeah me too when it's actually scorpion with his son so Mm. i was like gods scorpion's dad is like a psychopath (laughs) (laughs) as he's slicing and dicing all the ninjas but um but yeah we've got we we introduced scorpion and child looking over a scorpion attacking ants it does have a very strange moral which does sort of um come back later on but hanzo uh papa scorpion says to satoshi his son do you know why the scorpion is feared and he says it's will so not it's big ass claws and massive poisonous stinger then (laughs) no it's not like if i was in a hot climate where scorpions exist and then like a scorpion was in my shoe i would say like oh my god I must get this away from me because of its will. Uh, it's willpower. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible willpower. <laughs> I'm going to call him... I know, in my notes... Let's just call him Scorpion. Yeah, in my notes, I wrote Scorp a lot because I couldn't be asked about all of Scorpion. So Scorp uh, gets his son onto his shoulders and he says, Mum won't be happy if we're late for dinner. <laughs> Which, I don't know, amused me. If my, if my husband and child was late for dinner, I'd be happy because I'd just eat the dinner myself. <laughs> and then later on i imagine scorpion being very angry at the ninjas saying you made me late for dinner it was my favorite rice well if you think about it he went to hell on an empty stomach oh, so he must be worst. very angry i don't know there might have been an in-flight meal to hell <laughs> what's it what's it, when he opens the microwaved uh paper top and it's like it's poo it's like oh it's poo Deviled eggs. <laughs> he fills in like an immigration form, and one of the questions is like, "What's your least favourite food? Why do I have to put this?" He asks. No reason. <laughs> and then later on, ah, oh, this is what I specifically said was my least favourite food. <laughs> I tricked them though. I put French fancies. Um, have all the donuts in the world. <laughs> I mean, talking about the log- the logistics of hell when he ends up in hell. I'm going to keep calling it hell, even though they keep calling it Nether Realm. But Scorpion is hanging between these two rock spires, and he's got a chain going from his arms and his legs, so four chains in total. And I was just trying to think of the logistics of hanging a man in the middle of two spires. Like, do you, like, someone has to hold him there while they attach the chains to his various limbs. It's a bit like when you try and change a bed sheet and you're kind of like, oh, no, no, it's like, oh, no, it's popped out the other side. Oh, no, wait, wait, let me get that corner and you get that corner. I still can't click to a bed sheet without climbing into the bed sheet myself. (laughs) But see, that's where being a Goro would work because Mm. you'd have four arms and you could just like do any kind of bed sheet, duvets, you name it. They must be very good um, housekeepers. I mean, later on, Scorpion manages to escape by breaking one of the chains and then handily whipping the chain to cut the other chain. So apparently, as lucky, chains can cut other chains. 
because he would have looked rather foolish if he had just got one arm free and then he was just sort of spinning around on like three other chains <laughs> like an idiot <laughs> and then the demon watching him who um i think in the canon of mortal Kombat, he is called moloch oh. he's very much like what are you doing mate and since we're just talking about the hell stuff moloch does say to scorpion that um you can suffer you can feel pain down here but you can't die and then like scorpion proceeds to kill like a thousand demons and i was wondering are the, are the demons dead or it seems like you can die in hell <laughs> but if it is never realm like i guess the demons just live there mm. they're not like dead and then they're there to be punished they're just like the locals They've got different coloured wristbands, like at Glastonbury Festival, denoting <laughs> what, you know, if they can die. <laughs> yeah, I've got a life outside all this torture. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he gets back home from a hard day torturing uh, dead ninjas, and his wife is there, and his kid is there. Has to be, make sure he's home in time for dinner. What's for supper tonight, darling? Skulls again. Oh, I got skulls at work, got skulls at home. I mean, I did notice how both Quan Chi and this Moloch character had armour decorated with various sizes of large skull. And I thought, that's cute. They sort of don't go for a human-sized skull. They sort of call the store and ask for the largest skull you have. No, that's too big. <laughs> it's just, again, one of those things which a 14-year-old would think is totally badass, but an actual adult is like, that's, that's trying a bit hard, mate. It's one of the perks of being in Neverrealm is you can get all sizes of skulls. And no judgment. Everyone's doing it. <laughs> we skip slightly ahead to hell. We're so keen to go to hell. We don't know how he got there. How did he get there? Um, did he say bad words? No. I mean, this is, again, what I was saying a moment ago about this is stuff. This is legendary Mortal Kombat lore, which I don't often see in um, outside of the games or the instruction book even. <laughs> Scorpion... Even though, like, ninjas... Is this, like, a ninja tribe? There are sort of, like, two ninja clans. There's the, the Shirai Ryu, I think, which is Scorpion's clan, and the Lin Kuei, which is Sub-Zero's clan, and they're just, like, rival ninja clans. You know, the Crips and Bloods. Yeah. I'm just thinking in terms of Romeo and Juliet, and now I want to see a Mortal Kombat iteration where Sub-Zero and Scorpion fall in love. I'm sure that fanfic exists. Both for, like, indignity. His heart is cold as ice, and then he is penetrated by Scorpion's spear. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> for some reason, <laughs> for some reason, the Lin Kuei attack uh, Scorpion's tribe and kills everyone. But Scorpion, when he discovers his wife has been killed, he, he gets a bit cross, and he personally kills like all of them, all of the Lin Kuei, apart from Sub-Zero. And I was wondering, like, is he, like, the best of the ninjas? Were they all up to his standard? Or were they all just shit? Because he personally murders everyone, and very satisfyingly. It's lots and lots of slow-mo chunks of people just flying through the air. And you get a lot of the, uh, I think, introduced in the later games, this X-ray zoom in to... Skulls being sliced apart, bones being broken, so you can see, like, in very specific detail exactly how bad mm. these injuries 
well-being. They're all life-threatening injuries in the sense that um, they've got a 100% fatality rate. But again, that's the big problem with adapting Mortal Kombat, methinks, because if they're doing that sort of thing in the upcoming live-action Mortal Kombat, you do a crash zoom into Striker's knee as it's as it pops out the back of his leg and then he's just walking around fine in the next scene in a way yeah. i'd love it to go down like the rick male adrian edmus and bottom roots and just chainsaw <laughs> each other's legs off and then he's like no i'm fine i'm fine i mean you've got raiden with you he'd be great if he was just also a nurse and he's got he like this, stitch you back up again yeah he's got this like little electric cross thing which appears on his chest and he's like he arrives there with a first aid kit and he said, I've been on a St. John's ambulance course and I'm going to help you out, mate. A little siren comes out of his hat going, wee, 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 wee. I'm, I'm my own defibrillator. And then he does it and, <laughs> and, and Striker's skull explodes. <laughs> oh, It's like, whoop. Uh, <laughs> Should have uh, like uh, turned that voltage down a yeah. bit. Whoops. Like reptile doing mouth to mouth and aciding somebody's face off. Anyway, again, question about Raiden. He's tasked with defending the Earth Realm. That's his job, to protect the Earth Realm. But all he seems to do is to get humans to fight acid-spitting monsters. I mean, what else does he do day to day? He's basically the Earth Realm's human resources department. <laughs> Absolutely, pretty much, yeah. No, I think I think you've answered that question very satisfyingly. <laughs> and fortunately, every Mortal Kombat we've seen so far takes place during the weekday because he doesn't work at weekends <laughs> he's at home oh no yeah because the tournament takes place at a weekend so that's why i can't do anything about it guys <laughs> my powers i i have no power here it's sunday <laughs> <laughs> oh bless so as you would expect for a film called scorpion's revenge uh scorpion doesn't quite make it to the end of this fight with the Lin Kuei. He ends up on the bridge and his kid is held captive by Sub-Zero. Sub-Zero is holding his kid by the neck and Scorpion says if you touch a hair on his head and then Sub-Zero strangles or ice strangles the kid to death. So he technically didn't touch any hair on the top of Scorpion's kid's head which was rather decent of him I think. And he then just rather, you know, surprise, surprise, he uses ice to murder Scorpion. <laughs> you know, he's keeping it on brand, on message here. <laughs> but I guess the surprise was the fact that up until the point where Satoshi is killed by Sub-Zero, I was sort of thinking, oh, wait, like the kid will be Scorpion. And I was just like, oh, no, wait. It's Papa Scorpion, so... Yeah, you didn't get your baby scorpion film where, like, this little toddler scorpion comes out of hell. It's like, you must be this high to enter Mortal Kombat. Come on, man. I can tell you got... Oh, nuts. You got paper in your boots to make you look bigger. <laughs> There's two scorpions in a trench coat stood on top of each other. You know, so now we've talked about how Hanzo, a.k.a. Scorpion gets to hell and gets tortured in hell, but the way he gets out of hell, uh, hell meaning never realm in all of these instances, is through a kind of Faustian pact with Quan Chi, who is, I think, fair to say, amongst all the Mortal Kombat characters, the sassiest bitch of them. Oh, he's one of my favourites. He's giving me serious uh, Richard O'Brien energy. 
I mean, he was actually the one voice I really connected with. And I found out he's done by a, an actor called Darren DePaul, who, as you're saying, he's, 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 a lot of these actors have got careers mostly doing video game voices and, and animations. And he did the voice of Samuel Hayden in the, in the recent 2016 Doom. So okay, he's yeah. got this really great withering voice, uh, I think, in Doom. He, 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 he apologises for hell coming to Earth by saying, I feel I must apologise for what's happening here. And he brought that same vibe to this film. You know, when he's introduced to Scorpion having broken three, who's tossed a, the head of a demon onto his floor... He's more concerned by the fact that he's ruined his rug than he's necessarily broken free. Yeah. Yeah. So that great, uh, great performance. I enjoyed, I, you know, here's the most interesting stuff to say, basically, as well, which kind of helps. <laughs> but he basically gives Hanzo, aka Scorpion, the choice to represent Neverrealm in the Mortal Kombat tournament because Sub-Zero will also be in attendance so he can get his revenge at the same time, he can find this key that will release Quan Chi's pal slash boss, Edgar... Edgar? Elder God. <laughs> Shinnok, Rory. It's Shinnok. I was trying to say Elder God and I got Edgar instead. It's so bizarre. We don't see Shinnok at all. So this... No? It just seems like the sort of thing which wouldn't happen in a, a film not based on an existing IP... It seems just, mm. again, that's one thing I think the Mortal Kombat live-action film it did right. It sort of streamlined it all. Yeah. And yeah. This, that, that scene culminates in uh, Quan Chi talking to Hanzo a lot, and Hanzo says, Hanzo is dead. Call me lots of ants. I mean scorpion. <laughs> <laughs> because he remembers the scorpion and the ants. But, you know. Yeah. It's that thing. Because of his willpower. Fast tracking back to the tournament. Were there any particular fights you enjoyed? I mean, we're talking about the sort of lack of fights. Well, again, it's but... it's so nominally a tournament. It's like like there's a, there's literally a single scene when I think Liu Kang is fighting Princess Katana. That is just there because it happens in the live action film. Because she contributes nothing she is just another fighter and he doesn't even kill her i think he says i think there's literally a line when uh lu kang says to katana i don't want to hurt you and it's like a fucking fighting tournament you you have to hurt each other that's yeah. it's to fight till someone gives up johnny cage's first fight is really him being chased out yeah. of, out of a out of a castle, and I mean he thinks it's a complete film, but Sonia Blade I don't is only dimly aware that she's in a tournament, and I just kept thinking, I mean, is it fair to send people into a tournament not knowing it's a tournament? Because <laughs> yeah, I mean like Raiden's like okay, this is for the fate of the Earth realm, but in one of his chosen fighters he does just say I'm not telling him it's not it's a tournament. Yeah. I mean, do you think that's why, for for nine generations, Earth's fighters have failed because Raiden has forgotten to provide the important information that this is a fighting tournament, or willfully withholds it from them and just like does it for a laugh? I was like, no, this time I promise to do information packs for everyone. I promise. <laughs> yeah, 
actually I'll, I'll um i hold my hands up i only remember to do that for Liu kang <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah it's just ridiculous so sorry and even worse is like the, the big fight you're waiting for the entire film since it's called scorpion's revenge is the fight between scorpion and sub-zero and it's very short they seem to like square off and then immediately scorpion sort of grabs sub-zero and they plummet off this bridge with a kind of murder suicide uh impaling them both on a big spy <laughs> that's like i get that tonal reference <laughs> uh yeah it's like and you know we find out that sub-zero wasn't the one who actually attacked the village it was quan chi in disguise who again as i, I already said Sorry, he takes the form of Sub-Zero so he can get Sub-Zero's clan to do what he wants. And again, it seems like such like a weird low stakes thing to do. Why didn't he use his the Lin Kuei to do anything else except attack a village to kill Scorpion, to get Scorpion to an island, which he is already invited to? It's not like people... It's not like Quan Chi shows up and he's like, what are you doing here, Quan Chi? <laughs> Quan Chi... As Sub-Zero killed all his family, killed Scorpion, and then banks on Scorpion, then breaking free of his shackles in the Never Realm and making his all of his way to Quan Chi, for then Quan Chi to give him the mission to get the key and go to the tournament. And then Scorpion gets to the tournament and kills Sub-Zero, because Quan Chi told him Sub-Zero was going to be there. But doing so without giving Quan Chi the key that he wanted? Or did he have the key already? So Because he said, I needed someone strong enough to, you know, get to the tournament and get far enough maybe to get this key, but he's been palling around with Shang Tsung the whole time and could get the key himself whenever he wanted. Mm. Like, he would have anticipated that Scorpion would obviously want to kill Sub-Zero because Sub-Zero's there, and that's what he does, but then he's like, I'm going to leave you to the birds but I don't have the key yet. So he has to bank on Scorpion then pulling himself off the spike after having revealed that he was Sub-Zero all alone and then hoping that Scorpion will then also follow through on the grabbing the key from <laughs> Shang Tsung plan, even though he's just told him he was the person who killed his family. I just got visions of Quan Chi trying to ex explain his plan to anyone else and getting really tongue-tied. It's like, what am I going to do? I'm going to bring uh, Hanzo to hell and I'm going to string him up and I'm going to have him tortured. But then I'm going to bank on him escaping and coming to find me. And someone's like, so why didn't you just bring him to hell, like to your palace in hell? Um, well, I think he has, it's important that he, mu he must kill a thousand of my friends first. <laughs> <It's just weird. laughs> uh, I need to make sure he's like really committed. Yeah. Quan Chi, this is, this, this, I'm I'm not saying it's a bad plan, Quan Chi, but this is kind of time dependent that the tournament is tomorrow. Should we not have a backup plan? I mean, <laughs> have you heard of this guy called Reptile? He can turn invisible. Rather than have Reptile attack Sonya Blade, why not have your in an invisible warrior who I think basically can be paid in insects to steal the key? <laughs> It's my plan and I'm sticking to it. But I think that's his backup plan was just putting green slime in Shang Tsung's drink. 
<laughs> like yeah. that's why it's so dopey and stupid because he's just like oh i guess i've kind of blabbed to scorpion that i was the one who killed his family so a uh, plan b is i'll get out the green goo mm. since you're going to die anyway i'm gonna tell you my plan dude i'm, I'm like i'm a ghost <laughs> <laughs> oh jesus i'm disappointed i brought you here for one purpose and you have failed me. You're as weak as your wife was. As your child. Yes, you fool. It wasn't Sub-Zero at all. I killed them. It was easy. I used sorcery to hide my identity. To make the Lin Kuei do as I wanted. You are strong, Scorpion but not immortal. I think I'll leave you here. Just like I left your son to be eaten by the bird. So, to answer you to your question, no. 80% of this film is terrible. <laughs> because it's 80% of the film is, is kind of bad fighting and... I mean, I'm maybe being a bit harsh. I've I've still got this low level love of anything Mortal Kombat, really. So it's still a bit of fun to see these characters. And I think every time the logo appears, I'm like, that's fucking cool. It's the Mortal Kombat logo. It's cool. Yeah, I think this was like a golden opportunity to tell show us something a bit different, to have like a revenge story with a bit of an epic sweep. Um, but still, I mean, we were laughing at Defenders of the Realms robot soldiers which they were fighting in that cartoon series but halfway through this film for no reason as you said black dragon soldiers show up who look for, for all the world like robots they've got masks on and shit and for a, for a martial arts movie there's a lot of late you know, gun battles and things yeah there is a funny moment when we see all the black dragon soldiers being wiped out by a, a mysterious individual using a spear weapon and you're like oh who could this be oh it's scorpion <laughs> <laughs> we do get this midsection where again a lot like the live action film you get these three fights with sonia fires his reptile you get johnny cage being chased by baraka and i think you've got slu kang again fighting katana for some reason but they all eventually convene in the jungle around a campfire and then i was just thinking when they sat around this campfire oh scorpion's there as well by the campfire <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i'm just like this doesn't seem like a tournament like i just got the impression that in the live action film we don't actually see this but i got the impression that like about would end and then you'd go to bed or train for your next fight or something but it just seems to be shang Tsung saying mortal combat begins and then it's just like a non-stop fight to the death, like a battle royale almost. The tournament structure is very off because, as you say, they only really have one fight and then at this campfire, Raiden appears. It's like, oh good, you're all here. Head to the temple where your final battles will take place and your destinies will be revealed. It's just like, oh okay, so you have one fight and then straight to the final temple? I think cool. I've, <laughs> I've had more fights in my life than these guys. Sonya and Johnny Cage, they go and basically rescue Jats from Kano and a bunch of demons. And, you know, Kano gets to use his laser eye, which 
you know, was, I suppose, something missing from that first live-action Mortal Kombat movie. But um, now that I've seen it, I'm kind of like, yeah, probably best to have not had that in there at all. But uh, Liu Kang heads to the main, I guess, fight chamber, temple, palace, complex, whatever, and has to swear up against Goro, who has mainly just been grunting the whole time, but finally... Goro in the uh, fight while pummeling Liu Kang and pulling his arms like he's going to do a jats all over the place again. Raiden has a real I've made a huge mistake face when he's uh, (laughs) watching this. He's kind of like, oh, just like (laughs) pulling on his collar. (laughs) Yeah. But Goro's voice is the same as uh, from the original movie. Kevin Michael Richardson portrays Goro once again, 25 years later. So he sounded like Goro. To mine ears. But just before Liu Kang uh, does join the Jats Club, Scorpion shows up and flings his spear right into the back of Goro's head and yanks the head out from the face skin, leaving a sort of flappy shell and a big load of half-dragon, half-human Shokan head meat on the floor. It's pretty bloody. I liked it. I I, I thought you would. <laughs> nice bit of face damage. Big fan. <laughs> and um it's funny that that, that is it's I got I got really confused and I'm I'm definitely going to be confused talking about it. So I'll do the best job I can, but Liu Kang Sc- Scorpion technically defeated Goro, but I think Liu Kang is def- declared the victor but then Shang Tsung is like no actually you need to fight Scorpion now mate is is that kind of what happens it basically boils down to Shang Tsung has been betrayed by Quan Chi and Quan Chi is uh, captured at the moment and he says hey Scorpion if you defeat Liu Kang you can do with Quan Chi as you wish uh, but in so doing, that would also mean that Outworld will be the victor and take over mm. Earthrealm. Then Scorpion remembers Raiden's advice that there's always another chance um, during his little pep talk and that this Shinnot's key won't solve your problems, but create new ones. Don't live in the past. Live for the future, etc., etc. Reminder, I am dead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead, genius. <laughs> So Scorpion instead teleports behind Shang Tsung, puts a knife to his throat, makes Shang Tsung give him the key. Scorpion then yields. So Earth wins and everything's hunky-dory. Yeah, not apart from like the, the people, the Earth Realm fighters in the next nine tournaments who rage and kind of forgets about. I just picked these guys up from the play school around the corner this is Jake. He is five months old. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I did enjoy Quan Chi's death because it's a bit of an overkill. I think he, he loses his arms and then he loses his head. And I think then Scorpion pulls off his face. Uh, uh, Scorpion pulls off his own face to flame <laughs> Quan Chi to death. And I kind of really wish he had a training sequence when the newly demonized Scorpion is, is working out all these moves. It's a bit like the start of Beetlejuice when the ghosts are trying to scare their new residents. It's like, what if I, what if I, oh, oh, that's quite effective. <laughs> <laughs> and when he goes, ah, fire, huh. I can do fire like a scorpion. Wait, 
Scorpion has defeated Quan Chi. I guess his vengeful spirit is now at peace, but not for long because the temple collapses all around them. The island is no longer stable because Shang Tsung has fled through a portal and his presence was the only thing keeping the realms together because it's like a kind of... Stupid yeah, magic castles. Yeah. Very Not very solid foundations is magic. It's all like balloon no. animals and, tr- and playing cards. <laughs> Uh, i should have gotten into children's party sorcery not this evil stuff i don't know if i ever had a kid i'd want a dark sorcerer at my kid's birthday party (laughs) it's like okay now open the box where's the rabbit gone nether realm (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you can hear it streams if you listen closely again they're, they're all on the boat our heroes are all on the boat sailing away Liu Kang is feeling a little bit bummed out because he discovered he's not the chosen one this time. <laughs> it's kind of fun. He's like, um, oh, I failed, Raiden. And he goes, oh, no, no, we're you're going to f- defeat the Emperor in a sequel, which I don't know if ever, is ever going to get made. What was that, Raiden? <laughs> <laughs> um, but we cut to, again, this is what I'm saying about how this is like a weak version of the live action film. The live action film... It was clearly an addition, but the way it ends is like the Temple of Light exploding and a giant fucking wrestler dude comes out and shouts, you weak, pathetic fools, I've come for your souls. And this kind of does the same thing, but like Shao Kang just gets out of his chair and says, I've had enough of these games. And then it cuts the credits. It's really limp. (laughs) (laughs) You have failed me. I'm sorry, Master. It was that old fool, Raiden. He- Silence! Gather our forces. It's time to end this game. Once and for all. So, I've said it a few times, but in summation, I, even though I've been a little bit down on this, it is like, you know... If you like your Mortal Kombats and it's like 90 minutes long or even less, I think, you, you know, you would do worse than than watching this. It, it does have the benefit of being a proper R-rated bloody Mortal Kombat. And, you know, we've not seen that animated before. But in a weird roundabout way, I think the modern Mortal Kombat games like Eleven they they look so realistic i guess you are only watching this for the story and uh yeah maybe i've torpedoed my own recommendation there all of a sudden (laughs) what do you think about this flick clearly this has chimed with a bunch of mortal kombat fans in the sense that this is what they've always wanted but it's not for me because i just i don't crave that endless bloody violence to be told in a live action or animated form the game does that fine you know the dialogue in defenders of the realm is no better or worse than the stuff you get here it's just there's less swearing and like mortal kombat always has like a sense of humor and there's just none of that in this film so instead you just get all this very self-serious po-faced relentless violence but coupled with really dopey Saturday morning cartoon Mm. storytelling. And if this was like 
a compilation of cutscenes from a Mortal Kombat video game, but they decided to go like an anime-ish styly route with it as opposed to using in-game characters, I'd be like, okay, that's kind of neat. You know, some games do that. Or like some films do it CG and then have like a kind of hand-drawn style animation cutscene or flashback or, or, or whatever. If you had not seen any of the other Mortal Kombat films, and this is all fresh to you, this tale and this story, then I could see the value there. But I think the interesting stuff is the Scorpion stuff. But when it comes down to it, there's really not a lot to that mm. either. If it if the film was as strong as the start, I'll be fully behind it. I mean, even animation-wise, the shot of Scorpion, he's frozen by Sub-Zero and he's got blood over his face he's got tearful eyes I got real emotion from the animation and the performance but yeah you know it starts off very strong with the whole Daffy Duck bit <laughs> I mean that's as, <laughs> that's as good as it gets and yeah that opening pre-title sequence I was like oh, okay you know this has got emotion this has got states like it's very punchy and yeah it's bloody and grim but it's like kind of dramatic and serious but then you know once you get the hero story again and I mean mainly Johnny Cage and and that sort of thing it just it just I I, I lost interest very very quickly and I, I don't think it's like bad or badly made you know I think it kind of achieves in a way what it sets out to do but I found it really just pointless and couldn't really recommend it. I'd I'd rather watch more Mortal Kombat Defenders of the Realm, <laughs> like honestly, because you know at least that's there's more jets. There's <laughs> enough more jets, jets in this film. That's like a brazen marketing tool as much as this film is. But at least there's like a kind of bit of like what the hell's going on entertainment value. Where we're here is just like same yeah, as it ever was. Yeah, yeah. Seen it, done it, bought the T-shirt. I, Scorpion's Revenge left me cold. Ooh. Just like Sub-Zero, mm. he's cold person. So, yeah, I would agree. I think if you have... if you, Basically, if you're 15, I think this is something you have to remember. You say Mortal Kombat fans seem to have really taken to this. I think as a couple of old men now, in their like mid to late 30s, uh, I think we just have to remind ourselves that a lot of people with minds of their own... <laughs> are on the internet giving five-star reviews of these films which are just about old enough to see or maybe even not old enough to see. So, yeah, I think I think that's probably why it's super-duper popular and they probably look at Paul W.S. Anderson's Mortal Kombat and think, oh, that's a lame old man's movie. And I was like, hey, um... Yeah, you're kind of right. <laughs> it is a lame old man's movie, but I likes it. It's like, finally, Mortal Kombat is serious and it's not, like, cheesy and stupid anymore. And it's just like, uh, you know, without the cheese and stupidity, it's it's just boring and a load of bones being broken. <laughs> Toasty! <laughs> Which gets quoted in this film for no good yeah. reason. Yeah. Anyway... Our next film will hopefully be more full of fun and silliness and levity and joy and camp. It's uh, Silent Hill, which <laughs> I've not seen for a while. 
October is coming up. It's spooky month. So let's watch a horror movie. Yes, we've just done a film about ghosts and violence and hell, but not spooky enough for my taste. So looking forward to visiting Silent Hill very soon. But in the meantime, how can people keep in touch with games on film? You can find information about the podcast and video game movies in general on our website, gamesonfilm.witsite.com slash podcast. We're also on social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at gamesonfilmpod. And you can contact us, gamesonfilmpod at gmail.com. Also on our website, you can find links as ways to support the show by buying movies for us to watch through Amazon, or you can support us by throwing a little change our way via coffee, K-O hyphen F-I. You can find the podcast on Acast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. So please do like, share, rate, review, subscribe, tell all your friends, tell all your family, tell anyone who gives a damn. You can also find us individually on Twitter. I'm at Rory Steele. I'm at Only Man Who Can. And the music for this episode was composed by David Lightfoot. Now we're leaving Neverrealm for now, but it won't be too long before we visit again. Thanks so much for listening. I've been Harry. I've been Rory. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.